You might be surprised to know that babies really have a preference for the familiar. According to experts and author Rebecca Rowland, whom you'll meet in an upcoming episode, babies tend to interact and imitate adults who look and sound like them. She quotes experts who believe that this may serve an evolutionary function. A caretaker who sounds like and looks like your mother is likely from your family circle and less likely a stranger who could harm you. I'm Emily Morgan, and in this episode of The Grand Life, Mike and I are going to chat about how new technology is an old idea and how our grands enjoy seeing our faces and our voices. Remember the Jetsons and their video phone? Well, the real thing was introduced not long after the cartoonist dreamed it up. Hi, Michael. Good to have you back on. Hey, thanks. Let's talk a little bit about the history of the technology we are enjoying today and where that comes from. Well, the first idea of the video phone came out in the 39 World's Fair in New York City, but practically speaking, AT&T showed it in the in the next New York World's Fair in 1964. But by 74, it had become an expensive failure and they kind of shut it down. Hmm. The idea finally made it to the desktop computer in the early 1990s. And then from there, it jumped over to businesses that would set up dedicated video conference rooms. And then FaceTime happened in 2010 for the desktop and 2012 for the mobile phone. So think about that. FaceTime has only been around for less than a decade, and it has transformed the expectations that we have of ourselves and the way we communicate with each other. And then after that, Facebook Portal, which you talked about extensively in last episode, came along in 2019. Yeah. Now, wait wait a minute here. I feel like you were doing something like this at our son's like 13th birthday, weren't right. you? So at the end of the 1990s, mm-hmm. that stuff that came onto the PC desktop in, in the early 90s finally made it to our PC desktop. So we had... Uh, a video phone call with a financial expert who uh, played along with us in a stock market simulation game that we played for our son's uh, 12th, 13th birthday. We thought we were like the Jetsons right Right then in 1999. It was so cool. And I have to tell you that um, I saw one of our son's friends at a party not too long ago, and he mentioned that he still thinks about that, that that was such a fun party, this stock market thing that that you created, this simulation. So good on you. Yeah, you know, I remember when my parents would walk by the television when I was watching the Jetsons and they would say things like, I remember my mother saying something like, I am never going to like that. Like, I would not want anybody to see me in my curlers or, you know, my hair pinned up or my in my bathrobe. <laughs> well, that is exactly what AT&T figured out in 1974. Turns out people really didn't want to be seen on a picture phone. <laughs> right. Well, what's changed? Well, that's a great question. I think it's the, the level of personal intimacy that we all have with our smartphones. It's become the new normal. Yeah. So without our smartphones, we wouldn't have been willing to allow people into our personal, like what we look like personally. I think that's a reasonable way to think about it. Baby face, you've got the cutest little baby face. There's not another one to take your place. Let's talk a little bit about babies and how much they love seeing our faces. Of course, they don't care if our hair's right or our 
you know, clothes with we have our bathrobes on or whatever. But they're really interested in our faces, especially when they're really young. Like we have two little ones who are under the age of 18 months. Well, one of them is almost two years old. He still likes that. He he still enjoys it. But the, the one that really enjoys it is the five-month-old. Like he reaches out and he's... He's very interested. He wants to touch our faces. He wants to, he feels like it's real, like for him. Well, it is, it is real for him. I mean, I think there's been a big difference between our grandchildren who were infants 10 years ago and the ones who are infants now. 10 years ago, we basically presented ourselves live and in person to all of our grandchildren. And when we would have to step back and do it by media, by FaceTime, for example, Mm -hmm. They were not all that interested, and I don't think they figured out what was going on. But what's happening with the two youngest ones now is that that's flipped. They essentially know us on the screen, and they do seem to recognize us in that way and do express that real strong preference to see us on on the screen, to see our faces on the screen. You think that's because it's introduced to them so early on? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and we on that device are introduced to them so early on. I I know you and I both saw the youngest grandchild soon after he was born, Mm -hmm. but not very much and not Mm -hmm. for very long. He essentially knows us in two dimensions on an iPad. In two dimensions, not three? Well, okay, so think about this traditionally, right? It's the length and the width or the height and the width. He knows us in those two dimensions. He doesn't know us um, in that third dimension that being live and present gives you, you know, the depth dimension. Yeah. What, what we traditionally think about is three dimensions. Yeah. But now in FaceTime or Facebook portal, don't they see us more like that? Well, they see more of us. They see more around us. They see more of the space that we're in. Yeah. I uh, think that's a little bit uh, convincing to them. And, you know, we did hear from uh, your guest, Kim, about how interested her grandchildren are in the space in which she lives. Mm -hmm. And when she takes them on a little tour, they get real excited about uh, looking in the closet where all the toys are kept, for example. Yeah. That research I quoted is so interesting. I I tend to believe that babies like seeing the faces of other babies, um, not just their relatives, although I do think they do love seeing our faces because we do sound like them and look like them because we look a little bit like their parents, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. But, um, you know, I think they love seeing the faces of other babies. For example, I, I often buy our littlest grands books with baby faces so they can look at different babies. And I especially like to stretch their notion of what is familiar. So many of the board books I send them are ones that have faces of all different kinds of babies' faces, you know, like um, you, the, all different diverse uh, cultures and they're dressed differently than maybe our grandchildren would notice. But have you noticed when we're out with our youngest grands, how they search for the attention of another's face, like even babies, older people, whatever? I do see them get very focused when there is another baby around, when there's somebody at their level, about their size. Yeah. They will shift focus away from whatever's happening, even the food they're eating, Yeah. to try to make eye contact with another baby, the, the baby sitting a, a, across the uh, aisle in the other high chair. And 
that is such a clear indication of why they like phone technology, in in my opinion. And you think that it's better that the faces are bigger, like on Facebook Portal versus the iPad versus the phone? Uh, do I think so? Yeah. I, I don't know. It would be up to our adult children to have the tech that would put our faces on a 55-inch screen in their living rooms, and none of them have that right now. So. Yeah. One of them has the iPad and uses that with the littlest one. and. He does reach out to try to touch us, so I'm thinking that just the, just that much bigger than a phone. Um, and then actually, they told us they don't like to use the phone anymore because whenever they're on the phone, he thinks, "Oh, you're on the phone talking to, you know, M E N G Daddy." FOMO, here. baby FOMO, <laughs> baby FOMO, <laughs> fear of missing out. <laughs> so yeah, they're that's like we need to separate that from our phone because he's getting to the point where he just wants to grab the phone. <laughs> Something worries me about being, um, you know, two feet high when our faces really are only less than a foot tall <laughs> and having them two or three feet high across the room. Yeah. Are you concerned that they're going to look at us when they see us in real life and be like, wow, it's like these things appear much bigger than they do in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be fear on the screen or disappointment in real life. Yeah, right. But either way, I think it's out of calibration. <laughs> like, I thought you were the jolly green giant. Now you just look like a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as they get older, they recognize the limitations of anything. Facebook portal, the iPad, the phone, and they are more active. So then, you know, you wonder about using portal. And I mentioned that in the last episode. Um, but I think one of the big advantages of the use of technology is that we can continue to see the growth and changes that occur in our grands. Honestly, babies change so much from day to day that if I don't see them on a regular basis, I feel like I miss so much. Did that matter to our own grandparents who missed all that? Well, I mean, they didn't really have a choice. Maybe that's why so many of them wanted us to live close by or move to be close to us. The way we live now, even if we're long-distance grandparents, we don't have to miss out on so much. What do you think? I think that they made conscious choices that maybe limited other options. And I think that they were just dealing with the reality that if you choose not to live close by, you don't get to have the relationship and there's no way to mediate or close that gap. Now we've got a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, whatever the case, I'm so grateful for the latest technology. I mean, I wonder what might be next to draw us even closer to one another. Do you want to take a guess, Mike? I do. Okay, go for it. So when I think about the science fiction TV series that we now have streaming into our smart TV, mm -hmm. there seems to be a kind of a consensus about how uh, an advanced form of this thing that I think is just around the corner is going to look in several hundred years but in way less than that, augmented reality is going to have us use some kind of viewing screen or goggles to see at the same time what is actually in front of us and what is being transmitted from a distance, making it look as if it were actually in the room with you. Well, I've only put on an Oculus once, and it was pretty amazing. <laughs> I was like in a ski lodge. I was like, oh, this is amazing. But everything you were seeing in the goggles was in that other place, and you weren't seeing anything that was immediately around you. Yes, right. Which makes sense for what you were watching, which was basically a 360-degree travelogue. Mm -hmm. But if it were an image of a family member standing in the room where they happen not to be, but they're several hundred miles away, yeah, that's kind of a different 
That's kind of a different experience. That's the difference in virtual reality, which is what you're talking about, and augmented reality, which is what this is. Wow. That's amazing to think about. And I think you're right. I think that's coming. And I bet it won't be too far in the future. No, I don't think so. As we're talking... I want to talk about the future of the grand life. So we are finishing up the fifth season just a hair early, just four episodes early. Um, There's going to be 20 episodes instead of 24, Um, taking a much-needed break after you all know what's been going on in my personal life and uh, time taking care of my mom and, and dealing with the death of my dad. And so I think actually... What has happened through this whole experience is that I've started to think about opening opening up the grand life so that I can get to know the people I'm talking to more. And by that, you mean not the expert guests, right? but the podcast listeners. Podcast listeners. And you know, it's grown. We have, <laughs> we actually rank 37th in parenting in Mongolia. Isn't that amazing? Yay, us. <laughs> Hi, Mongolia. We've got people in India, and we're ranking in Switzerland now and New Zealand. And it's just really fun to see that people all over the world are listening to us. But I want to get to know people better. And how can I do that? I kept thinking, how is it possible for me to connect with my listeners better? Um, I hear from people via email, listeners who say they feel like they know me. And, you know, I've talked to over 125 guests, but I don't hear from as many of you as I'd like. So... Going forward, I'm going to try an experiment, and this might be the worst fail ever. It might be the worst experiment in the world, but how will you know unless you try, right? There are lots of different kinds of podcasts. What kind can you kind of knock it down to how many? Almost every kind of podcast is one of three. It's either an interview, which is personality-driven, and in some cases it's celebrity-driven, but it's Mm -hmm. an interview. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the kind that is more like radio reporting, or journalism, and sometimes that turns into documentary. Mm-hmm. And then there's the fictional radio play or or uh, storytelling. Yeah. We've kind of mixed that all up. I mean, we've done some journalism. We've done some interviewing. We've actually, I feel like the stretch it takes essay is a little bit of storytelling. That's right. So we've kind of hit all of those. But I kind of want to hit something else. It's more like something I dreamed about doing all my life, which is a talk show, which is actually a question and answer show. Now, I don't know if this is going to work. Like I said, it could be a monumental failure. But I would really love to start hearing from all of you on a regular basis. So we'll still have features on the podcast and we'll still do a few stretch it takes. But I'd like to start answering your questions about grandparenting. I've certainly had, I feel like, one-on-one master's course in grandparenting as I have talked to all these different people. And I have a pile full of books that I've read about grandparenting. And in order to actually connect with you, I need your feedback your questions. I need you to start sharing your favorite children's books. And you can do all of this anonymously, or I'm happy to share your name. 
I know when I've talked to certain guests who have been faithful listeners of the podcast, whenever I get on the Zoom call with them, they always say things like, I feel like I really know you. And I want to be able to say, I feel like I know you, but I don't. So this is my chance to, to get to know you. And, you know, let's see how it goes. A little break, and then I'm going to try this grand experiment. But it takes all of us for this to work. Are you there? Do you want to connect? Do you remember the carpenter song, Calling Occupants of Interplanetary Craft? You've been observing our Earth. I could say you've been observing our podcast, and we'd like to make contact with you. So <laughs> here goes nothing. I do remember that carpenter song. I remember it to be one of their worst. <laughs> Sorry. Their worst, and I hope this is not the worst idea ever. But hey, guys, give me a chance. Start sending those things to me. Start emailing me, leaving voicemail, and we will just go from here and see what happens. I love to see our grand's faces every time we visit using the newest technology, but let's talk a little more about why that technology is important to us. In today's The Stretch It Takes, I encourage listeners to be willing to flex into the future because, in truth, our future with our grands depends on it. So let's go to the mat and find ways to stretch to improve our outlook on the realities of our present that might be different from our past. local public library has a full basement level that is dedicated to something called makerspace. Maybe you've heard of this concept? The elementary school that I worked in had something similar to that. It's a place where you can use your imagination to create things that don't even exist until they actually do. For example, the most impressive thing I've seen there is a machine that creates 3D objects, a 3D printer. One of the times I was there, a man was creating game pieces for a game he had invented. I was eyeing it with great curiosity since I have several games at home that need extra pieces that have been lost to time and eternity. I need an extra snail for the snail's pace race and a few extra game pieces for our very old and very loved game of Sorry, not to mention an iron and a boot for Monopoly. The thing about a 3D printer is that it creates something with more than one dimension. That's the D in 3D. It makes me think of the images that our grands are now seeing when we talk to them, with the newest technology available. It used to be that our grandparents could only talk with us on a phone. We were, to each other, basically disembodied voices. No matter how much expression and tone we used to talk with each other, we were still just voices. But now... We as grandparents can relate to our grands in a more dimensional way. They see us on screen in our height and our width, and yet we can bring a depth of relationship to our conversations that include how we smile, how we move our heads and our eyebrows, and even our whole bodies. We can dance and sing with them or wear a hat or show them our houses. You know, really, that's the fourth dimension, time. They can move with us, each in our own spaces, but joined across the miles in real time, which really enhances how we can relate to each other. What a great gift. of you are familiar with those Facebook posts with pictures of old kitchen gadgets or tools with the caption, do you remember this? 
I'm always amazed at how many people comment on those pictures and wish for the past to be the present. I don't find myself in that camp. Do you? Instead, I am bent towards the future, looking forward more to a, what do you see in the future, instead of, what do you miss about the past? I guess that is why I am particularly fond of writing about the stretch it takes to get there. I find it exciting to think about what could be in the future, no matter what kind of pliability it requires of us all. Funny, though, I'm not a huge fan of science fiction because it often seems focused too much on technology and not enough on relationships. Don't get me wrong. I'm extremely grateful for new inventions and the people who come up with them, but I'm really only a fan of technology when it can enhance relationships. And the kind of technology we've been talking about does just that. There is nothing like the smiling faces of our grands to make my heart soar. So next time you get on your iPad or portal for a FaceTime or a Zoom call, remember how lucky we are to connect to those grands who live far away. What kind of world would it be if we were still relegated to our telephones and our very infrequent visits? I can't even imagine with what we've all been through the last two years. Scientists and inventors may not have us traveling in the fourth dimension yet, but I'm willing to bet many of us would go there with our grands if we could. It has been fun to continue thinking about what world we'll be living in in the future, but for now, I hope you're enjoying the gift of your grands as much as possible in the here and now. With that in mind, I invite you to start thinking about the grand life after our break. While I want to continue with our new content, we'd like to start opening up our podcast to your questions. Like we already talked about, it's a way to create a community with you in mind. So don't hesitate to share your thoughts and questions with us by writing to grandlifeconnection at gmail.com or leaving a voicemail at 317-572-7876. I'm serious when I say that I would like to know you better and come up with ways to connect with you. Next time on The Grand Life, I talk to author Rebecca Rowland about her new book, The Art of Talking with Children. Start with what your grandchild is interested in and really try to have that back and forth. Follow the train of the conversation and be fully there as much as possible. And this can be on Zoom or FaceTime or in person. It's not as though, you know, the technology you know, makes it invalid or something like that. That is a skill that spills over into how we talk with our grands. In the meantime, I'm Emily Morgan. And I'm Mike Morgan. And thanks for joining us in Living the Grand Life. <laughs>